Hello and welcome to Dog in the Spotlight. I'm George Sainsbury, your host, and today we are joined again by Larry Cavallo-Phillips, who is always on that hunt to get her ideal dog. Always. And we are joined with friend and vet Trevor Gertlock, who will be talking about the health issues of our dog in the spotlight. Hello. Remember to subscribe to Dog in the Spotlight, whatever platform you listen to your podcast on, and also remember to follow us on Instagram at Dog in the Spotlight. Today's Dog in the Spotlight, we've had many requests, and we can see why it's one of the most popular dogs in the UK and the USA. It is the French Bulldog. But before then, dog in the news. In this week's dog in the news, we are going to be looking at anxiety in dogs after the lockdown process is over. Now, many countries are easing the lockdown and people can go to work. And Lowry has done some research and seen some news articles about the anxiety that dogs may have after we go back to work. Yeah, so this loops back around to a couple of months ago to one of our first um, episodes, George, where we spoke about when the lockdown was initially imposed and how the increase in dog ownership um, occurred And we spoke about when this time comes, how dogs will deal with this. And obviously there are a lot of new dog owners who may have to return back to work very quickly. So um, there's lots of articles about how to ease your dog into this because they've only ever known you being at home and that is their regular life. You are their only person. So it has lots of really helpful things that you should perhaps consider if you did um, adopt or purchase a dog during lockdown things like graduating the amount of time that they're left alone even from initially being leaving the house and coming straight back and building that up to build that reassurance almost that you are returning and then to try and minimize um, stimulants like jangling of keys they may start to associate as you leaving for the whole day so trying to mix up the routine a little bit um, And then also they talk about getting into your work clothes, but then staying in the apartment for a little bit and then leaving for work and coming back to avoid that drama of leaving, going, bye, bye, see you later. And the same when you return to not make a huge fuss when you return, because it's almost exacerbating the fact that this is an event. Um, And one of the key things they also speak about is to not react to your dog's barking, because that's them just trying to communicate that anxiety and therefore if you shout at that thinking maybe to reprimand the behavior you don't like you're not actually fixing the reason they're behaving like that because it's a really unusual situation where a lot of dogs puppies you know for three months of their whole life they've always been around their owner and it is going to be a shock to their system absolutely and also what they speak about is the fact that during this time they probably haven't had increased interaction with other dogs so about how to ease into that i'd be interested to hear what you think trevor about how perhaps to initiate that interaction with other dogs without it being too overwhelming yeah i mean this is like what we call separation anxiety and certainly there's medications and things like prozac and stuff that we prescribe for dogs that have separation anxiety oh, really? okay. and there's certain breeds that are kind of predisposed to developing it um but yeah i think that as far as introducing them to other dogs it would be sort of the same thing as you were saying with gradually introducing them to your new work schedule so mm. um limited play dates just taking them out on leashes just to get them more used to dogs but yeah. i mean i think they're they're pretty adaptable in that regard i think that the bigger stressor for them would be as you said 
the fact that they've had their companion with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and now they're going to work. Mm. And so I think that is a much bigger stressor than, let's say, their dog friends. Yeah, so, absolutely. Hopefully, at least. And I, what you mentioned there is also mentioned the article about them being leashed when you first start taking them outside and having that interaction. I've seen a lot of very small dogs be let off the leash and their recall may not be that great and they get barraged by other dogs. And They're so excited. Yeah, so excited about this new life <laughs> in this place they've never this been. This is like what we're going to be like when we get out of quarantine. Oh yeah. <laughs> God, I need to get a leash for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something else then. Oh, but but <laughs> anyway, we won't mention that. <laughs> we won't mention that, James. Um, anyway, thanks so much for your research, um, Laurie, and it'll be interesting to see how the outcome of um, dog's anxiety and actually seeing if it's when they come to your practice, if you are prescribing um, dr- drugs to help them not get so anxi- anxious, I should say. Anyway, thanks for that. That is Dogs in the News. we'll be looking at the French Bulldog. Now, the French Bulldog is an extremely popular breed and become more popular in the last 15 years or so. It does divide people's opinions. Some people love them, lots of people love them by the amount of uh, dogs there are in both in America and the UK. But a lot of people uh, don't like the look of them, don't like the breeding of them. Um, And we're with two people who feel like that. So, Lurie, and Trevor. When yes. I say French Bulldog, now we talked about the French Bulldog. We wanted to do a podcast on the French Bulldog. A, it's very popular, but B, I think it's divides so many people. And tell me your thoughts, Lori, first. So I understand that lots of people have this dog. And when you have your pet, they are beloved, they have their own personality, and you think that they're great. I'm really confused as to why they're so popular because I see them and I just think inbreeding. You can physically see the kind of nature of, of yeah. the progression they're of where they come from. And um, they're not a dog that appeals to me at all, to be honest. Hey, Trevor. I guess I would be on the other side of the fence as far as the look of them. I do think that they're really cute. And I think that's why they've exploded in popularity. But as we'll talk about in the health segment, um, I kind of see them as these very inbred little dogs, as cute as they are, that have a ton of health issues. And it's becoming to the point where it's almost unethical, in my opinion, to keep propagating this breed as it is. Okay. What do you think, George? So I, when I, when they became more popular, and I've always known about the breed, um, but they weren't very popular at all. So I, I was obsessed with dogs when I was younger, and that was in the 90s, and it was quite a, a not well-known breed. And I used to think, oh my God, they're so cute. They're lovely. And I do think they're quite appealing. And also what really makes them appealing is their personality, which we're going to look at, and their temperament, which we're going to look at um, in this podcast. But as the years have gone on, you see their faces are becoming more squashed. They're so popular. They're so common seeing them around. I, you see some gorgeous specimens, which, you know, they look healthy. But you see others and you're thinking, how are you breathing? Um, but I think what we need to do to start with is look at the history of the breed. So French Bulldog, which country do you think its origin is? I'll let Lowry go first on this one. I was going to let you go first. I don't want to say France because I feel like you're luring us into a trap. So, always. Always. Okay. Um, 
Russia. Oh. <laughs> okay, Russia. Was that? <laughs> I just thought it was weird how you chose oh, Russia. Oh, I thought she nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to say England. <laughs> oh, Trevor, you're good. It is England. So... The way, right, back in the 19th century, bulldogs were used for bull baiting. And in 1835, that was outlawed. You couldn't do that anymore. So a lot of these bulldogs became unemployed, as you would say. Wait, so just brief, bull baiting? Bull baiting is you'd put a dog into a pen or a pit with a bull and they would attack. And that's the reason why they have these squashed faces is because they could grip hold. They've usually got very tough um, bite and they would have grip hold and the squash face would allow them to breathe more easily while um, they've got them grabbed around the neck or grabbed onto. But again, the, they weren't as squashed back in the day. They've become far, far, far more squash nosed. Was it for entertainment? The entertainment. Okay. Victorian entertainment, completely. And it was outlawed. I find it fascinating, though, because, uh, you know, breeding and, and scrunch nose, all that stuff aside, like I've, I've been in a pen with a bull before. Like, it doesn't seem like... I know. A dog of that size would do well against They wouldn't a bull. just have one or two. They, sorry, they wouldn't just have one. They would have quite a few bull baiting a bull. Um, um, but yeah, matched. I mean, I, that's where the word bulldog comes from. Interesting. Oh, and okay. bulldog. So it was outlawed in 1835. So as I said, these bulldogs were unemployed. And so they had to have a, another means. And so they suddenly became more of a companion dog. And we see that now with the English bulldogs, the French bulldogs. They're there to be a companion to their human owners. So what was happening was with the French bulldog, the bulldogs were getting bred and they were having smaller bulldogs, really. And they would end up being called the toy bulldog. And that's now an extinct breed. But it was it wasn't an official breed either. But they they lots of women like these small companion bulldogs. They were bred also to get the bat ears with Russian. I'm um, sorry, with. English terriers. So just uh, not a certain one, just a variety of English terriers, again, to make them a bit smaller. Back in the day um, in Nottingham, in the Midlands of England, the women used to have these companion dogs while lacing. So in uh, they used to be lacing and they would have them on their lap to keep them legs warm. However, due to the Industrial Revolution, when the machinery could do the lacing, these women were out of jobs. So what they did, they moved to Normandy in France. Uh, to where it was their job was more in demand. And so they took their little mini bulldogs with them, toy bulldogs, and the French aristocrats, society, um, high society women really liked these small bulldogs. They were like, wow, this is an unusual breed. We've never seen this before. So the Midlands women from Nottingham mainly used to um, came down, lived in Normandy, and they started importing these mini bulldogs from Great Britain because they started having this demand on them. And this carried on for a few years, 50 so years, and they became really, really popular in France. However, to get the, the French preferred the Batiers, so they bred it with a French terrier. So that's where the sort of French side comes in and they produce their French bulldog. However, there were still two different ears. You had the rosebud ears. That's the ears where they slightly um, flip down the, the typical um, English bulldog ears and the bat ears. So there was no set look for the ears. In America, they suddenly came over to America. Again, high society really liked them. J.P. Morgan had one. The, uh, the Rockefeller, is it? Uh, Rockefellers had one. And what happened was they did, in 1896, they had a competition with these French bulldogs. Some had the rosebud ears, some had the bat ears. The judge at the time was English, 
and he liked the Rosebud ears. So this competition... A bit of bias there. The bias, yeah. <laughs> he, all the winners, had Rosebud ears. So the American women, the socialites, were so annoyed by this, they set up a French bulldog club and they regulated that all bulldogs must have bat ears. So that is why you must a French bulldog must have the bat ears. And that was helped by the Americans. So in a way, three countries sort of developed the French bulldog. It was called the Bulldog Francais, which is bulldog in French, and the Americans coined French bulldog. Apologize for my pronunciation. Yeah. Again, as you well know, my language, my modern foreign languages skills are not the best. So that gives you a tiny bit of history. And it was really, really popular with Ladies of the Night. Oh. Oh. Ladies of the Night. And I didn't realise this. So it had a real difference. So lots of high society like them, but also in France, especially in Paris, Ladies of the Night would carry them round, these companion dogs. I know, it's quite quite an unusual one. Anyway, so it was a very ladies dog, companion, etc., and it was one of the most popular breeds in America at the turn of the century. So lots of people love them, etc. However, as, as usual, after a world war, the popularity went down because people were more focused on uh, money, getting food on the table. So dogs were sort of pushed to the side and it lost popularity from the turn of the century up until the 1960s. And in the 1960s, it was considered a rare breed and concerned that it might be an end up extinct yeah because it was just there weren't there was only 106 registered french bulldogs in 1960 which is hardly any anyway so then they were like well how do we get this breed back into popularity and they did pretty well because in the 1980s they had a fresh new breeders come in and really pushed and sort of advertised the breed and from if i get my numbers right so in 1980 of that, it was, there was 170 dogs in the it registered in the United States. In 1990, 632. Then in the 2000s, it suddenly jumped from 5,500 registered breeds. So such a big difference. And in one year, sorry, in a decade, in 2003, it was the 54th most popular dog breed. And in 2014, it was the ninth most popular dog breed. And now... In the US, it is the fourth most popular. And in the UK, it is the most popular dog breed. As lovely as that sounds, we're going to talk about the health issues. This comes with a number of health issues. And Trevor is going to talk about that as um, in a bit. But I just want to talk about the appearance of the uh, French Bulldog. Now, we talked about the ears, having the large ears. And they do have that Braxy... Was it Bra- uh, Squashness. Brachycephalus, a short nose. Short nose, and there's quite. Uh, but however, if you look at the French bulldog, sorry, the French bulldog compared to the British bulldog, their face is far more squashed. The forehead is more um, upright. However, when you have the um, French bulldog, it's more of a square face than the um, French bulldog. So, but it still has that squashed nose. Then, this is really interesting. Color. So recently, there's been a real push for the blue French Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that yeah. sort of greyish oh, blue one? Yeah, one. those are beautiful. Yeah, yeah they're yeah. lovely. If you wanted to show your French Bulldog, that's not allowed. It's not an official colour coat or colour. So there is, they have three official colours if you want to go into the show ring. They are fawn. So that's the sort of the yeah. um, blondie the looking one. Mm-hmm. 
you have brindle and brindle can be as near near to black or literally like a leopardy print sort of mm. brindle or you can have thing, something called pied which is white with patches of brindle mm-hmm. any oh. other color you can't show so this popular reign of the blue um liver black and tan white and black they're just not accepted on the show ring are other dogs accepted if they have that blue coat or is it just the french bulldog that's not accepted? oh so each dog has different so each breed will have a different appearance which fits to the criteria i see but again so that one and that that, that became more popular in the last 10 years or so and a lot of celebrities have that blue um, french bulldog and when you look at them it's always that's the most expensive i always find like um, a statement yeah which, which if you had to choose a color I'm not really into brindle. I've never really no, been into I'm brindle. No, I'm not. I think brindle. And I don't, the pied, I guess, maybe because it has brindle. Um, I, I think the blue is what I would go for. Um, the, the fawn ones are actually adorable, too. I think the fawn one for me, I just like to say. And that mm. actually was um, really pushed in the 1960s by, oh, I can't remember her name because I did research, something Webb, and she was from Detroit. And the fawn breed wasn't a major sort of popular one, and she really pushed that color, and that's why it's so popular today. Oh. Yeah. So that's what the appearance looks like. And then we look at why they're so popular. Obviously, the appearance is a, a key part why they're popular. But their temperament is brilliant for such an adaptable dog. So again, as I said to you, it's purely bred for companionship. And they are extremely aff- affectionate, very easygoing. They're patient, brilliant with kids. Um, they don't need tons of exercise, probably due to their um, squashed yeah, up faces. They can exercise. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, they get, they get out of breath. They can't really deal with hot weather. That's probably why we see absolute lows in Chicago. I know it's hot in the summer, but you inundated in Chicago, um, seeing the uh, French Bulldogs. They are great apartment dogs, and they're renowned for not being big barkers. Okay. So if you're looking for, if you're single, if you're with a couple or family, they're your ideal dog. However, because they like companionship so much, leave, as we talked about just mm. recently in Dog in the News, they don't like being left for long times because they want to be around their owners. Mm. You know, back in the day, they would sit on the lace, the women who were doing the lace on their lap. So they like to be as close to you as possible. Mm. So when you do come in, they just want to sit next to you on the sofa, in bed, whatever it might be. But as an overall dog, and that's why they're probably so popular, they fit so many things that people are looking for in a dog. Okay. If you're busy, they don't require constant exercise. Um, They're not huge shedders. Um, But one thing you really have to consider if you're getting this dog. So the temperament is brilliant. I think the look is gorgeous. Again, that's where people are a bit um, yes or no. And I would just just briefly to say I would push back a little bit on the temperament because I do agree with I think that that is historically what they're known for. But I think when we talk about health issues and as you were talking about with the explosion of this dog breed, a lot of the reason they jump from so so far down on the popularity list to the top 10 um, breeds is because we had a lot of not just um, proper breeding, but you had a lot of kind of backyard breeding. And so I do think that as time's gone on, some of the temperament issues, unfortunately, have been diluted out. And so now we see kind of the spectrum of things. We certainly see lots of lovely, very nice French bulldogs, but we do see some that are a bit edgy. Yeah. And that's so key about this breed. Because they were, weren't very popular, now they're suddenly boomed in popularity as Trevor said it is that backyard breeding and that causes health issues as well as temperament issues Mm. so the idea the ideal temperament is this but with any dog breed you're going to and we're seeing it more because there is such inbred going on and backyard breeding and before we talk about the health issues I want to talk about how 
Many countries are taking it so seriously. So I researched in the Netherlands, they have banned breeding of dogs such as pugs, English bulldogs and French bulldogs. So they brought the ban in in 2014, but they didn't really enforce it. They were like, mm-hmm. yeah, you shouldn't be doing it. But people obviously there's the demand. And 2019, they have actually said no from immediate effect, we are not breeding in our country any of these wow. dogs because of the health issues. They're, you're breeding a dog, really, that sh- wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for human intervention. They cannot even give birth naturally. They have to have a C-section. Yeah, you're so, taking my thunder, but yeah, sorry, the same yeah. thing. There's a lot of vets that are pushing for this as well. And um, the UK, a couple of years ago, they had put together what's called the Brachycephalic Working Group. And it was it's a sort of a consortium of both veterinary and non-veterinary professionals that um, I think there's like 40,000 veterinary signatures on this, essentially a working group to try to um, try to better the breed through better breeding practices. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a big deal. So are they accepting then in that country that the dog, that breed will die out in that country? I don't know. I think or it needs to be regulated where, because what's happened isn't with many dogs, um, they get bred. If you, There's an article where you see dogs from 100 years ago and what they look like now. And they've mm-hmm. changed their looks so much. So for example, if people like that squashed up face... So they've, they've bred it so much that it's now becoming a health oh. issue. Could you put a photo of that on your Instagram? Yes, I'll put a photo see. on my Instagram on yeah. Dog in the Spotlight. Thanks for that push, Lowry. Um, so now Trevor is going to have a field day because he's got so much information <laughs> about the health of this dog. I promise next week we'll do a healthy dog. We'll try and get a healthy one in. Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. As I said before, there are healthy breeds. Just George keeps picking very unhealthy What's breeds. What's the healthiest breed? Oh, oh, I know we'll that save one. that. What do you, what do you <laughs> say, George? One of them is the Border Terrier. That's one of the, a very healthy okay. breed. But it looks a bit mutt-like. I love them. They look like an yeah. otter. Um, Lorraine Kelly has one, if you're listening, Lorraine. Um, <laughs> but with, I think the reason why we're picking unhealthy ones is because it tends to be the most popular dogs because there's such a demand for them the breeding goes out the window but anyway i mean if you think about like just the ranking getting back to just how quickly this breed jumped into the top 10 right we talk about german shepherds and labradors and goldens um and all of those dogs make sense to us because they've kind of always been right around that and yeah they change in step by one or two places but i mean this dog jumped from the hundreds to the i think you said 54 54th to ninth to fourth I mean, that's a quick mm. jump. And so, as you're saying, there's something that pushes that. I mean, there's a drive for it um, for the dog breed. And because of that comes all of these, as we said, backyard breedings, puppy mill breedings, um, and even some of the registered dogs that were just maybe not picking the best matches. So. It's funny. We had a discussion about breeding, about in America, the difference between America and the UK. Mm. And I've lived here four years and I'm mm. always looking at breeders. But there seems lots of puppy farms and selling in shops, in pet shops. In the UK, that's illegal. You, mm. We don't have the puppy farms. We don't have them selling in shops. Pet shops selling pet dogs. Shops. No, that would be Yeah, shocking. in some places that's being, yeah. yeah. Some places that it is being banned, but there is not a national ban on that right now. And I think, that, I'm not saying it's brilliant in the UK by any means, but I think there's more regulations mm. and it's harder to suddenly just have a constant outpour of these puppies. Whereas in the U- in America, because there's such demand, mm. there is a fall in the um, the wellness of the breeding of the animal. Mm. However, Trevor, over to you about the health of the French bulldog. I think he sounds pretty healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this, um, interestingly, this is one of the breeds where they actually 
they're looked at in my field as so unhealthy that they've actually done studies, um, sort of population survey studies, um, the biggest one being put out by the Royal Vet College um, that looked at around 2,500 of uh, dogs from this breed, just trying to figure out what are the prevalence of certain disease processes and overall compared to other breeds how unhealthy is this dog? Um, and so they looked, as I said, 2,500 dogs, and they found that um, approximately 75% of dogs in this consortium had some type of health issue. And that it, it did include minor things, okay, so like skin disease and you know itchy skin, that kind of stuff, but that also included things like spinal disease, which we'll talk about. Was that across a large age range, or were they all average age dogs? I think they were average age. I don't know exactly what the age range was in that. Um, interestingly, they also found that males were more predisposed and more likely to have health issues than female dogs. I wonder why that would be. I, I mean, we, we, we see that in other disease processes too. So as I said, I, I, I do cardiology and there are certain cardiac diseases that have a sex predilection. So, mm. um, And so probably the first and uh, first of the long list of health problems these dogs have, and I think most people, even the lay person that gets a French bulldog, um, has at least heard of airway disease. And so they get what's called brachycephalic airway syndrome. There's a couple different names and acronyms for it. Um, but um, in that study, they found out that about 50% of the dogs, those 2,500 dogs, had some sort of an airway problem. And 66% of those dogs had what are called stenotic nares, which is sort of part of a syndrome of brachycephalic airway disease. And that included stenotic airways, as I said. So that is like dogs being born with very, very thin nostrils, which obviously makes it very hard to take in air. Um, the other components of that syndrome are a hypoplastic trait. So a trachea that didn't develop into the diameter that is needed for a dog of that size. So it's sort of a smaller diameter, like a straw, right? If you imagine breathing through a straw, oh my gosh. Um, they get everted laryngeal saccules. So sort of right by your, um, your, your voice box, there's some saccules there. Um, and in this breed, those saccules get everted and they sort of hang inside the airway. So now you're breathing through a straw through little tiny nares, and now you have these saccules that are in the way of air that's supposed to be moving in and out of your lungs. Is that why they, they're renowned for being snorers? No, but good plug, because the last part of that is um, an elongated soft palate. So if you look in a mirror and you say, ah, you know, you've got your uvula that hangs in the back of your throat, the little punching bag, and what that is attached to is a soft palate. And so that is a sort of a, a muscular mucosal tissue uh, that hangs just above your airway. And so in in these brachycephalic or squash-nosed dog breeds, they tend to have elongated soft palates. I think maybe we referenced it with Cavalier King Charles Spaniel last week. Uh, but these elongated soft palates, they sort of this soft tissue, instead of hanging, you know, a couple of centimeters away from your your airway, it is hanging directly in the way of your airway. And so as they sleep and as they breathe, this thing is kind of rattling in the front of your airway and it's making that snorry snorty sound and so when these dogs go in for these surgeries which oftentimes happens and sometimes in the first couple years of life owners note that their dog is having trouble breathing or gets excited it goes to a dog park it may turn blue cyanotic because it's having trouble getting air they will present to clinics like mine where the surgeons will um, sort of correct all of these defects um and it's called brachycephalic airway syndrome. It's super common in this breed. Um, and part of that is trimming down the soft palate, removing those saccules, widening the airways um, as far as the nares go. And unfortunately, the trachea is just something that they're left with. So that's 
sort of the biggest problem they have, but it is sort of just the tip of the iceberg. Mm, okay. I can see um, a list there. Yeah, there is a, a list, list here. Yes. Um, yeah, that's I had to put a reminder list in because there are so many problems with this breed. Um, I also texted one of my surgeon friends just to see approximately how much this surgery would cost at our practice. And the cost of surgery for just the airways alone is somewhere in the ballpark of about five to eight thousand dollars. <gasps> So this is a very expensive is dog it, breed. Does it get, uh, when we talk about the age range, because it's um, life expectancy is 10 to 12 years. When you're saying about these health issues, do they tend to be an all throughout its whole life? Or is it an old age issue? Where would you put Yeah, that? a lot of these are actually... Um, early in life issues. So the airway thing, right? You're you're born with these airways. They don't they don't sort of develop like this over time. And so the dogs that we're doing brachycephalic airway syndrome surgery on, t- I say us, I don't do that surgery, but they are they tend to be young dogs, okay? And we sort of fix the airway, and in some cases that you know improves the quality of life and the length of life. Sometimes it's it's not enough. Um, but a lot of the other ones, uh, diseases they get are also presenting when they're young. So they get idiopathic epilepsy, so sort of seizure disorders that come from origins we do not know. They also get spina bifida, just like children get, which is a congenital defect of sort of the development of the spinal cord. They get hemivertebrae, which can be related to that, where the vertebrae just don't form as well as they should. And that sort of predisposes them to things later in life, like intervertebral disc disease. We talked about that with other breeds where they rupture a disc, just like humans do. They also get brain tumors um, and gliomas, things like that. Um, They have a lot of ocular disorders. And um, in that UK study or the Royal Veterinary College that they looked at, um, cherry eye so sort of a protrusion of your third eyelid and then things like skin fold pyodermas which are infections that tend to present in the skin folds around the yeah. face which is kind of gross to think about and that's right next to your eyes which and it's is not helpful to keep those clean isn't it always wiping those out yeah so oftentimes the only cure for it is aside from getting antibiotics here and there is to actually clean out those skin folds the other place they get Lori's face looks horrified um, <laughs> is they get tail fold pyoderma so those cute little screw tails that they have um the, the little fold where that tail comes out of the body, it's a very kind of deep crevice that likes to retain skin cells oh and mucus no, and no. grossness. So and so out. you have to clean that out as well. Part being a dog owner. I know. They're really cute, as I said, but yeah. from afar. I'd a baby. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else have we covered? They get atopy, which is a, a sort of um, allergies to things in the environment. They're very, very well known for that. And because of the airway stuff and just their build, uh, I think Georgia mentioned heat stroke. They just, they don't tolerate heat and exercise and things very well. Um, so this sounds like a dog that just cannot survive regular light. Like <laughs> as soon as it goes outside, it's like, ah, and then it's done. I would actually take it a step further and say that even before they get to that point, because um, as George was saying, this is a dog breed that almost always requires a C-section in order just to be brought into the world. The same thing goes for English bulldogs. And so that's part of that that UK uh, brachycephalic working group kind of task force is what are we doing? We have a dog that can't even give birth naturally that we are propagating as a breed that is born with oftentimes airway disease that is so bad it requires surgery just to sustain the dog's life, let alone all these other issues. So say, for example, like this, we, as they want the dogs to survive, what do breeders or what does the veterinary practices need to be or be put in place for this dog to survive? Yeah, that I think is why they developed this task force. I mean, it would require lots of responsible breeding. So trying to breed dogs, um, you know, as they're, they're born, selecting dogs that 
maybe don't have, you know, they're not born with spina bifida. They're not born with hemivertebrae. They're born with a slightly longer nose and a slightly shorter soft palate and just trying to sort of select those dogs and breed them forward. The problem is, is as you were saying before, at one point, this dog breed got down to, I think you said 106 animals. Okay. That's what we call in genetics, a genetic bottleneck, right? We see this in wildlife species like cheetahs and things like that, where you have this big population and then it gets wiped out for whatever reason. And now you're left with sort of a couple sentinel characters that now have to all breed together in order to propagate the species. And so you sort of now take in those hundred dogs and you're left with whatever genes they have. Mm. Hopefully they have good genes because mm. now you're putting them into every dog thereafter as it you grow. It sounds like they didn't. Because it, yeah, one thing failed. about the nozzle, the muzzle, sorry, is some dogs you see have slightly more... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's variability one, for sure. Whereas others have a far, far more squashed one. I mean, yeah, some of these dogs have... I mean, their nares literally sit between their eyes. I mean, they're... They're not so cute. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's, it's it is. It's sometimes you see it panting. And going, I always think, oh, I feel really sorry for it. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it that's got to be horrible. So say, I mean, I hope we haven't put you off getting a French bulldog. Obviously, we won't do. But from the what, veterinary side, hopefully, we have. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like there's they've got many many health issues and many. Um, things that people really do need to be aware of before they purchase this lovely dog and the temperament. I think this is a key thing you need to look at. Um, it sounds worse, like we were talking about the Cavalier King Charles Spaniel having such um, health issues. This seems to be more... I feel like this is the pinnacle. As I said last time, I sound like the the pessimist on all these podcasts, um, but we will talk about healthy breeds. Um, This dog to me in my head, and I think most veterinary professionals would agree, no matter what sector of veterinary medicine you're in, this is one of the most expensive health intensive dogs that you could purchase. And even purchasing it, it's always the most expensive because there's, and I guess that's because they're harder to breed because they do have this um, C-section. And also the demand is huge. Every other dog we see, I would say, is a French bulldog. Yep. I mean, in myself included. So I've been in this field now for almost 16 years. And I would say just in the last five to 10 years, this dog breed to me has exploded. I mean, I feel 15 years ago, I'd never seen a French bulldog. Um, I mean, maybe it's all me, but I just never really recognized the breed. Um, and now it's uh, these, the, we always have a French bulldog hospitalized for something. I think really it needs to be, as you say, they've got a, a group together to sort this out and it really does need to be pushed because I don't see how this can continue um, I think it will, though, because they are so popular and they're yeah. going growing up in popularity. Yeah. I mean, how would you... You can't reverse this in any way, sure. No, it's, there's slow so breeding. You, yeah, back, it's back slow breeding, breeding practice. You, okay. it, what it would be, would you, it would be sort of going, right, finding a bulldog that has a long muscle, a muscle, just for example, and having another bulldog that has a long muscle. Yeah, and good luck finding those two, right? Yeah. And then you have to worry about those two that you just bred. Maybe they have a long muzzle, um, but maybe with that you're exchanging the fact that they have spina bifida or they get, oh you know, gosh. inflammatory brain disease like meningoencephalitis, right? So, like, again, coming down to the genetic bottlenecking, yes, you try to select for dogs that have a larger nose, but in doing so, are you selecting other unfavorable traits that now you're mm-hmm. going to propagate instead? So we exchange airway disease for horrible spinal disease mm. right yeah and so it's a bit of a conundrum as just an alternative question it's a bit off this topic but is it um do we talk about crufts for example oh, yeah yeah is this a dog that is accepted into a oh cruft? yeah it's a pedigree any pedigree is that is would be crufts and the problem is if, and this is the problem if dogs for example win crufts 
suddenly they go up in popularity yeah. or some famous person has a dog or they're on TV. Like, for example, the, when 101 Dalmatians came out, an influx of people wanted Dalmatians. Mm. So actually, this needs more press of, actually, this isn't a healthy breed. Let's try and help it instead of saying, these are so cute. For example, there's one on Modern Family. I love it called Stella. Mm. But again, that's promoting this breed. And it, yeah. it, you want it to be promoted but in a good way, but it's really hard with all these problems it does come with that's a very good point about how the media is uh playing a part in kind of popularizing this yeah i'd be interested to hear who has one. Oh yeah so that brings us on to very nicely onto our top names for the dogs and also um the celebrities who have a french celebrities yes however before we do that we do our official international dog breeds for the dogs uh, for the country so which oh yes the competition okay. the competition I mean, yeah, so it's tara not a competition though have i ever won no 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 i don't think so really yeah <laughs> but good luck anyway so tara in my class again has chosen three countries that has an official dog breed for that country mm-hmm. and the countries she has chosen is our sweden Norway and Japan. Let's start with Sweden. Lowry, to you. The Saluki. I love it. It's not even a Swedish breed. Okay, next. <laughs> <laughs> but again, she doesn't know much about dogs. That's why she's on our podcast. <laughs> What's my excuse? Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. What is your excuse, Trevor? Um, <laughs> Swedish dogs, Trevor. Swedish dogs. Ooh. I'll give you a clue. Oh, thank you. The country's in the name. Oh, that's never and a good And it sounds clue. a bit like where Santa Claus is from. I'm not sure if it's in America where Santa... Not North Pole. What's another place where Santa Claus Lapland. is Lapland. Swedish lapdog. Swedish laphund. That's what I was going to say. Oh, oh I really? knew you were. The next one, Norway. Do you want another clue? Yes. Um, is it a the, terrier? No. Oh. No. The country's in the name. Oh, always a good clue. I know. Norwegian lapdog. <gasps> so close, but not so far. I was going to say a Norfolk Terrier, but okay. it's not a Terrier, so I, I don't know. Norwegian Elk Hund or Elk Hound. Like a Hund. Elk okay. Hound. Yeah. And the last one in Japan. These are quite popular, actually, oh, in Chicago. Can I go with Japanese Chin? Yes, but you're wrong. Oh. Is the, is the country in the name? No. Oh. They're meant to be quite cat-like, these dogs. They look like a bit like a fox. Oh, is it that Chow Chow? Oh, no. Um, uh, it's Shiba Inu. Shiba Inu. You know oh. what? It's funny. I saw the other day I was going for a run and I saw four of these dogs and I don't run very far. Beautiful yeah. dogs. Yeah, they're lovely. They're That's very cat-like as well. They're quite loose and independent. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that, Tara. Anyway, names of dogs. Go for it. Let's French have a boy and a girl. Bulldog. French bulldog, boy and a girl. And this is quite interesting, actually. Think of France and names that may relate to France and also think about dogs that have been in the media. I feel like you're biasing our opinion on what we would name our French oh, sorry, bulldog. That was, that was the most popular ones, but you can choose oh. what you like for your ones. Yeah. Sorry, you choose what you like for your ones. I, I feel you said Stella earlier. I think that is a popular... I see French bulldogs named Stella all the time. Um, I would say if I had one, I would probably name the female Fiona, and I would probably name the male Winston. Oh. oh. We saved Winston for the English. Bulldog, yes. Yeah. I'd go with Jacques. Jacques? Oh, Ooh, that's good. Okay. Yes. Um, and Lulu. Oh, I like Lulu. Mm. I like that one. So I would go for something like Colin for the boy. Okay. A bit stupid, a bit Colin. Yeah, yeah, you always like a stupid name. Yeah, I do love a stupid name. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> and maybe something like Helen for the girl. Again, equally <laughs> stupid. Yeah. 
That's weird. So, and they're definitely not going to be on my top. Better than Marvin. Good dog name. Sorry, Helen. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not saying all Helens look like French Bulldogs. No, or Fiona's. <laughs> so, the boys' names are... Top boy's name is Louis. Probably like to like all the kings King of France. Louis, mm-hmm. yeah. Winston. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Winston. Yeah. Mm. And Frankie. Uh, Fra- yeah. And good. girls are Lola. Mm. Okay. Stella. I reckon that's because of Modern Family. Mm. And guess, see if you can guess. It's always on there. Is it? Bella. 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 Oh. oh, get a new Awful. name, people. Um, anyway, and celebrities. I literally had to cut down the list because l- every celebrity seems to have one, but I'll give you a few highlights. So... Reese Witherspoon mm. has Pepper. Hugh Jackman has Dali. Lady Gaga has Kuji and Asia. Carrie Fisher did have one who's probably quite a famous one called Gary Fisher. That's okay. quite cute. I like the name Gary. No, not, no, I don't, but for a dog I do. <laughs> um, Russell Tovey. Hilary Duff has Peaches. The Rock has Louis. Madonna has Gypsy Rosa. Uh, Eva Lagrande Le, Le, Gloria yeah. has Popeye. It's quite cute. That's nice. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio has Django, hey and John Le- uh, Legend has Pippa. Oh yeah, okay. Right. So, uh, but our final question, oh. Lowry. I can probably Hi. guess most your most your answers. Lowry, would you go for a French bulldog? So I just want to preface this by saying I do like dogs. What episode are we on now? Nine or ten? Eight. Eight. And yet only one is to make this list. Maybe it's ones we're choosing. Very selective. It's a very official list. It's like the one in Friends that Ross laminates. You know, it's a very official. No, it will not. Oh, okay. And probably due to maybe health? I mean, uh, Trevor only went through about half of his list. His list just kept on going. And from (laughs) what he said about the move to really discourage the breeding of these dogs because we're breeding them to the point that they are almost killing themselves with their health issues, I think to be what you say is more responsible is to perhaps Mm -hmm. stay away from pushing this. Yeah, this is a hard note for me. I just, ethically, I couldn't do this. I would feel guilty every day. So I, I quite like Poor them. Louis. <laughs> Poor, yeah. Comes in the room and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> where you come? Snoring, snorting, just like, and dangling. Yeah, just like a money pit you're just pouring into." Um, thing is, I do really like them, and even though they've got the health issues, I could see myself. I wouldn't be like, "No way." I could be like, oh, yeah, go on then. Um, but a, p- I, a pity purchase. But then, Trevor would come after you. Yeah, but yeah. I do, the thing is, I love Getting all no dogs, discounts. so I find it hard. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, Lori and Trevor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening.